Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Hello and welcome back to the Space News Pod, a daily podcast about space, science, and tech. I'm your host, Will Walden, and on today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Dr. David Warmflash. He's an astrobiologist, physician, and an author of the new book, Moon, an illustrated history from ancient myths to the colonies of tomorrow. Look for it at your local bookstore, or you can go to Amazon. And I will put a link to that in the show notes of this episode. But before we get started, I want to tell you about my new show called Wayfair. I'm going to link it in the show notes as well. And it's a longer format than the Space News Pod. It's still going to have space stuff. It's still going to have science stuff, tech stuff. There's going to be long form interviews. And it's going to be not only about space, science, and tech, but also about the people that are involved in those industries and also the wanderers of the world, the people that have taken the road less traveled, so to speak. So if you're interested in that, go down to the show notes, check out the Wayfair podcast and subscribe because the first episode is going to be Dr. David Warmflash's interview, the full thing. So here's episode one of Dr. David Warmflash. Um, so you have a, you have a book coming out. And it's called Moon and Illustrated History from Ancient Myths, the Colonies of Tomorrow. Actually, yes, this is the book right here. Nice, solid book. You can use it as a paperweight, as a doorstopper, but you could read it too. Because one of the cool things about this book, here in the 21st century, people don't like to get actual hardcover books so much because you can hear about the topics on the podcast. I might tell you a few little stories from the book, but this is the illustrated history. And that was the whole idea as part of a series from Sterling Press. And every every little section is called a, a moment, has a uh, has a beautiful picture and text to go along with it. So here I randomly opened up to this. So this is from one of the early entries telling about a period of lunar geological time called the Eratosthenian period, named for the Eratosthenes crater. Instead of having a picture of the crater, I got a picture, a painting of Eratosthenes, for whom the crater is named, giving a lesson to a student. Eratosthenes was an ancient Greek scholar. In fact, he was the chief librarian of the great library in Alexandria. Really cool. I didn't even see those are the kind of things that this book is all about, right? Things that you don't even know about the moon. We basically, you know, everyone knows that there is a moon. <laughs> we look up in the sky and there's a moon. What's the history of it? You know, like where did it yeah, come and from? Yeah, and every one of those craters is named for, usually they're named for a person from history, especially on the near side of the moon. They go back way to ancient times. And the far side, so you get names like Crater Tsiolkovsky for people who came later because 
nobody saw the far side until 1959. So if so, there's tons of craters. There's thousands of craters up there. Do you have a favorite crater on the moon? I like the Aristarchus crater because the name for Aristarchus, who's one of my favorite people from ancient times, and he's actually the first half of my book is a lot of ancient history before we get up to approaching the space age. And he's kind of a hero, maybe for the first third of the book, because he makes use of the moon and he uses the moon for something cool. He uses it to figure out that the sun is a lot bigger than earth and that if the sun is a lot bigger than earth, then it doesn't make sense that the sun goes around earth, that earth must go around the sun. And that was 2,300 years ago. And he did it using the moon, using a, a coin held in front of his face, and using little protractors made of sticks to get the angle to the sun. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I get back, there's going to be more with Dr. David Warmflash. So throughout time, there's been myths about the formation of the moon. But then science came around. Yeah, and even proto-science before that, the natural philosophy, when it was young, the ancient Ionian philosophers, you were people who lived in the, what we'd call the western coast of Turkey and those islands around there, Asia Minor, they were Greeks, and they were the first Greeks to come out of the Greek Dark Age, and that's where philosophy got started. And the philosopher who brought philosophy to Athens was Anaxagoras. And this is really where, where we get the beginning of everything. He Tried, he started to observe the moon, and he realized that the moon isn't a god, the sun's not a god, and he thought they were rocks, basically, which isn't so far off if, let's say, you're talking to a little a kindergartner. He said that uh, the, the moon is a rock that Earth had flung into space, and the sun is a hot burning rock, and that's why the moon shines by reflected light. You know, how differently would you explain that to, a five, say, a five-year-old or a six-year-old today? The reason I brought that up was because he, he also talked about how the moon originated. So there have been all these stories, but this is the first proto-scientific explanation of how the moon came to be. He thought the Earth had flung the moon into space. And that's kind of interesting because millennia later, in the, by the late 19th century, is when you first start to get a scientific discovery about how the moon originated. And one of the early hypotheses about how the moon originated was from George Darwin, son of Charles Darwin. And he thought something not too far off from what Anaxagoras had said, say, 24 centuries before that. He said that Earth had been spinning really fast, way faster than it's spinning today. And that kind of flung a chunk of Earth's mantle out into space. You know, he thought that that left the Pacific Basin. Of course, today we know that that couldn't be because the, the shape of the continents and the shape of basins on Earth wasn't the same millions of years ago. George Darwin thought it had happened uh, about 55 million years ago, uh, but we know that the Pacific Ocean was a lot smaller that, that long ago. Again, in Darwin's time, there was no theory of continental drift. There was no plate tectonics. So that being said, can you please elaborate a little bit on the creation of the moon and maybe what it's made of? How it came to be is very controversial. They're arguing about it right now. It's a big controversy. You could do a whole series of podcasts on the origins of the moon. 
it's a hot topic. And in fact, one of the reasons scientifically why we need to go back to the moon is because we haven't finished answering the question. Uh, I should just say before, before talking about the origins of the moon, about your audience, so there's something in the book for everybody. I've been able to talk about, I've been able to pull a different angle on the book, depending on what the audience is, because it's a hundred moments from lunar history. So it's touched so many parts of human civilization. Virtually every culture has some history connected with the moon. So right now, we're in the month of Ramadan, and Muslims are celebrating Ramadan because they're on a lunar calendar. It's a pure lunar calendar. And the reason there are lunar calendars is because ancient people needed to use the moon as a way to keep time so they could track their, say, their records for agriculture or whatever they were doing. But that's a pure lunar calendar. It's just looking at the timing of, oh, we got a new lunar cycle, a lunar cycle. We got a waxing crescent. We got a full moon. We got a waning crescent month after month. And because it's a pure lunar calendar, so Ramadan and all the Muslim holidays, they will move through the solar year. It can be it happening in May like it is this year, but the next year it'll be in way into April, it'll be in kind of March-ish before that, and it'll roll, run around the year. And you don't get that with the Jewish calendar, which is a lunar calendar, but it's not a pure lunar calendar. It's a, it's a lunisolar calendar which also dates back thousands of years. That goes all the way back to the ancient Sumerians and then the Babylonians. Figured out ways to get the lunar calendar in sync with the solar calendar. And it led to the discovery of a 19-year cycle that puts the cycles of the moon and the cycles of the solar year in the sync every 19 years. And every 235 lunar cycles, you get a repeat of the solar year. And that's why you'll say you won't have Hanukkah coming in uh, July. It'll always be, it might be a little bit in November or December, but it's not going to slip much beyond that. And that is the first part of the interview with Dr. David Warmflash. He's the author of Moon, an illustrated history from ancient myths to the colonies of tomorrow. You can pick that book up at your local bookstore or on Amazon. I'm going to link the Amazon book in the show notes. Also check out my other podcast, Wayfair. There's no episodes yet. I'm still working on that, uh, but they're in production. So there's going to be some soon. Um, so go check that out as well. And I want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast and who's subscribed. And if you'd like content like this, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And on the next episode of the Space News Pod, there will be part two of the Dr. David Warm Flash interview. So stay tuned. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it here with me on the Space News Pod. My name is Will Walden. I am your host, and I will see you soon. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats! 
Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.